if you have uh, missed the last few, we won't really do a recap because we take up the whole morning. But um, this morning we want to look and maybe finish on God's amazing grace because we could be speaking about God's grace. We will be living in grace for eternity. So that's how long I suppose it could last for as God reveals his wonderful grace to us. You turn to John's gospel, please. Chapter 1. John's Gospel, chapter 1. I will refer to this uh, chapter in a few moments, if you bear with me. John, chapter 1. Verse 14. And the word, that is the word from verse 1. And the word, capital W, was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Notice, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received. And notice, grace for grace for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ no man has seen God at any time the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father he hath declared him son is capital S meaning the person of Christ God's only begotten son Notice capital W is now a, is also a capital S. It's the same person, the one come from heaven, the Son. Now he is uh, clothed in flesh. Let us pray. Father, we ask you that you would now take the words that you have given me for this people this morning. We think of those who are away on holiday that you would bless them and encourage them and strengthen them. And those who have come back, Lord, from holiday, we ask you, Lord, that they might receive their portion this morning. We know that as our faces differ, so do our needs. And we rest in, we rely on, we lean upon your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your grace every moment of our lives. And Father, we just pray this morning, Lord, that you would reach hearts this morning as you deem it and seem it fit to do. May thy spirit speak to all of us. And may Christ alone be seen. And may he alone be glorified in this place this morning. Take any vision or view of man out of the sight of people. And place the only man, the Son, the Word made flesh. Place him in our view this morning that he alone will receive glory, that he alone will be exalted, and that he alone, Lord, in this place and through the preaching of thy word will be seen and heard. For Jesus' name's sake we pray, for his glory we ask it. Amen. Now in this series, what we have done, we have showed you 
what grace is, the need of grace in all of our lives. For example, we finished, as it were, with Genesis chapter 6 and in verse 8. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The very first mention of the English word grace. Noah found grace. We, we looked at how that word for grace is chien or chanan, which gives the idea of one bowing down or stooping down in kindness to an inferior. So a superior coming down in kindness to an inferior. And Noah found grace. The word found is the word matzah, and it means to appear. Um, it means that, for example, if you lose something, you don't know where it is, you search for it, and suddenly there it is. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't disappeared then appeared, it was there. And hence, grace is like that, where God is always gracious. And we looked at different manners of grace, but it's when grace especially appears to the heart, to the person, to the individual, into the life. For example, the Lord Jesus, he said in Matthew 18, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then he says later that I am uh, sent to seek and save that which was lost. In other words, they were lost to self. Lost in the sense where they were scattered and they all of Israel would then be scattered. But in the sense that they are lost to self and lost to their faith. They're lost, as it were, to their, their walk with the Lord. But they were somewhere, but God never lost them. They were in his view, in his sight. And so the gospel is sent out. And of course, it's through the gospel we notice the grace that reaches the heart of us this morning. And so the, you may lose something, whether it's, uh, whether it's money or hopefully not your child somewhere. And wouldn't be the first you'd heard someone saying, have you seen such and such that have disappeared away with their friends and you're, you seem to have lost them. But they've always, they're there somewhere. But it's the realization of it. And grace was there for Noah in a world that was depraved. And we looked at that in the world that was full of, filled with violence. And hence, he, it appears to Noah, but it was always there. And grace is, is always here. And I'm saying that to all of us. Every one of us. I'm saying it to myself, for I need it too. We all need it. That grace is here. Grace is something that God has offered, God gives, and God extends out. But it's only when the believer in Christ realizes, it appears as it were like it did to Noah, realizes, yeah, God still loves you. God will forgive you. The Father will still receive you. Even though there's unworthiness in all of us. Even as Jeff had read around the table. But let a man examine himself and we're not examining you. It's your heart to examine your heart. And you might feel I'm unworthy. And then Jesus says, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. In other words, you need it. You need the fellowship of the cross. You need the fellowship of the saints. You need the fellowship who are living in grace and not in condemnation. So every one of us, the grace of God for our sin, our failure, our faults, our fallings, 
Grace is offered all the time, and it appears in the sense that we then, at some place and in some point in time, we then get it into our spirit that he does still love me, that he will still forgive me. That's grace, even though we don't deserve it. So we're trying to show you how, even in our unworthiness, God offers grace. You've fallen. You've fainted. You've floundered. Mixed up, meshed up, and mashed up. Is that it, Jeff? You've got mixed up. You've meshed up and you've mashed up. That's it. And if that's you, that's all of us, by the way, to some degree. Sometimes we go, our hearts are, are cold. Our hearts are indifferent. Our hearts are wayward. Our hearts are strengthless and weak. And hence we think, Lord, well, I might as well just carry on in this road as distance from, distant from you or the road of carnality or the road of even being backslidden in heart. I might as well be there because... How would God accept me now? Brother, sister, please understand this. God's grace abounds over all our sin. Over every fault of yours. Every single one of them. And only those who in church, and I talk about in the supposed church, the supposed body of Christ, only those who, who point the finger don't realize that they're in as much of need of grace as you are. They need grace as much as I do. And they point the finger. In fact, when they point the finger, they need maybe more grace to soften their heart. And hence, when we have received grace from God, I mean, if we understand it and we have, we have realized it, it appears as it were, Lord, thank you that I know I can still go on, that you have cheered my heart again. You know, you've relieved me and released me of all of this burden. That's grace. I'm going to show you that in the New Testament in a moment. And that is grace. And hence we all need that. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The last mention of grace is Revelation 22 and verse 21. The very last verse of the last chapter of the last book says, But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Here is the the, the risen, exalted, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to John, telling it to those who are in him, the saved, the redeemed, the blood-washed, the blood-bought. And he says, ah, until I come back, the, may grace be with you. John writes it under inspiration. John says, grace be with you. Till he comes back. So we need his grace. And we need to live in that grace. We need to remember that he does love us. I've said it many times before. It's not meant to be an offense. It's, it's meant to try and encourage and help. So please take this in the right manner. God doesn't love you because of you. God doesn't love you because of you. Because of what you've done. God doesn't love you because you have done so much or 
the amount you've done. He doesn't have a love for you because it goes up and down and in and out every day, depending on how you are. God doesn't love you because of you. He loves you in spite of you. In spite of you. And that's grace. That is grace. And so the grace of our, in Revelation 22 and verse 21, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now we need to move on for we finished that Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. That is the last mention of grace in the Old Testament. Speaking of the cross of our Lord Jesus Zechariah 12 and verse 10, and I will pour out upon the house of David. This would be on the, in Judea. This would be on the, the, the remnant of Judah. And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Notice the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Here Christ speaking of his crucifixion. 500 years or so before it even happens. So when we look at John's gospel here, the word was made flesh. Notice what it says, and we beheld his glory. Where did this happen, John? Where did you behold the glory of Christ? Well, Matthew 16 into 17. Peter proclaims, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God in Matthew 16. Into Matthew 17, he's up the mountain. Peter, James, and John is with the Lord Jesus, and he's transfigured before him. His, his garments are glistering, it says. Uh, his face is like the noonday sun. The deity comes through the humanity, the, the veil of flesh. It, it just bursts through, as it were, almost every pore of him. And of course, Peter, James, and John, behold the glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Uh, notice, full of grace. How do, we, how do we see the Father's glory? In the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we receive the Father's grace for our lives? In the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything, everything is from him and through him. Everything is from the Lord, from the Father, through the Son the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in Christ alone that we can receive and know the glory of God. Again, it says in verse 16, and of, 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 and of his fullness have we all received. He's saying those of us who have realized this grace, realized the, 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 the deity of Christ, the work of Christ, the cross work of Christ, the blood of Christ, the power of Christ, we have received the fullness God can't do any more for your soul than what he's done. Do you realize that? And in your heart at times, and way deep in your inner person, your inner being, it's like, you know, you, you, you're, you have the war going on, the fight going on, the struggle going on, the, you know, the, the, the what ifs going on, the what about are you going on. But God cannot do any more for your soul than he has already done. He gave his son. He gave his very heart to you and for you. That's grace. 
That's grace. And so, verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses. The law says you've sinned. The law says you're guilty. The law says you're worthy of judgment and punishment. The law says you're under wrath. That's what the law says to all of us. The law was given by Moses. Want to see God's standard for getting to God's heaven? Here's the law. Here's even the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments as we know. Keep them 24-7, word, deed, action in your mind all of your life and see. Even that we are born with a, a nature of sin. Try keep it, we can't. And so the law points us to say you can't keep this. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You can't keep this. I'll keep it for you. So grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You can't keep it. I'll keep it for you. And hence he keeps the law we can't keep and lives a life we cannot live and dies in a place where we should have died. But notice this, brothers and sisters. The word grace is the word charis. Right through the New Testament, you'll find the word charis. And it means the merciful kindness of by which God exerting, notice, exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ. Grace is irresistible when God lays hold on a man and a woman. You fight it, but it always wins. It's irresistible. Notice this as well. Grace keeps you, strengthens you, increases our Christian faith. Grace is a life governed by the power of divine influence. I read, an old, I read a great scholar years ago, and this really struck me about this word grace. G-R-A-C-E. Charis. Charis. It really struck me, and I've, I've quoted it quite a number of times, going to quote him again. I learned it off by heart that I would never forget it, for I need it to remind myself at times when I feel maybe, maybe the Lord's fell out with me and I can't. Go on. Grace is the divine influence upon one's heart and its reflection in one's life. Grace is the divine influence upon one's heart and its reflection in one life in one's life. And hence the divine influence is the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost coming to the undeserving me, influencing my heart to call for the Christ, but it reflects grace in my life where then I'm kept by him, I walk with him, and when I fall, I realize that I'm still in grace before him. Hence, when a a person says their life, they have been saved and there's no change in their life, I wondered, have they really truly, honestly receive salvation by grace through faith. For if there's 
No change, there's no Christ. Charis for grace. It has been described as the property and a thing, notice, which causes, notice the property and a thing which causes to give joy to the hearer. That's why the gospel is good news. And it's a property in it. It's the word which changes the life, changes the heart, quickens, raises the dead, as it were, by the spirit and the word. A word of God entering the heart is what saves a man and a woman. But notice here, I want to say it again, grace has been described as the property and the thing which causes it to give joy to the hearer. I think about this. Sinful men and women, dead in trespasses and in sins, like in Noah's day, like in Romans 5, we talked about Adam failed to listen when God was speaking, the fall of God, Adam, the 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 the, the Fellowship between him and God uh, was torn apart. And only God coming into that situation to the undeserving could, could save. Notice this. It causes to give joy to the hearer. Jesus has paid your debt of sin, brother, sister. That causes joy to the ears of the believer. But we sing it all the time. Oh, we sing it all the time and it's great when we sing it or we hear it all the time. And you know what happens? We, 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 we stop being grateful for it all the time. Jesus has paid my debt. That's grace. That's joy to the hearer. Jesus still saves sinners. That's joy. Jesus still loves me. Imagine me. Jesus still loves you. Jesus' blood still avails for our sin. Jesus still heals the sick. And Jesus is coming again. Does that not cause joy to the hearer? If you fall... Believer, if you fall, Jesus will pick you up again. Listen, see when you fall and you're a believer, a child of God, you don't fall off the rock, you fall on it. You might have your knees skint. But you haven't fallen off it. If you're hurting, Jesus will help you. If you're mourning, Jesus will comfort you. And when you're dying... When you're dying, Jesus will be with you. I went out for a walk yesterday just to talk to the Lord. And boy, it was, boy. I walked from Warringstown down into Lurgan and back again. And I thought I'd done 20 miles in the heat. In fact, I got there and I walked down into Lurgan. It was so warm, I went and got my beard shaved off and my hair cut. I was walking down and I was just talking to the Lord. I don't know about you, but this is how I react with the Lord. This is my walk. 
with the Lord. This is personal, but Lord, I'm so glad that I can come out here and walk with you. You're with me. Walking through Warrenstown, you're with me. And after a while, he starts talking back. Impressing your heart. Son, you can walk with me anytime. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can walk with me at any time. So I'm walking on down, talking about the Lord about a few things. And says, Lord, I'm concerned about some in their walk with you. I know it's theirs, Lord, but I'm a shepherd. I'm concerned. Son, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He says, Lord, yeah, he says, Lord, but what do I do? What what do we do with these concerns but bring them to you? Yeah. So I will say not to turn to the left hand or to the right but a voice behind him will say this is the way. Walk ye in it. He says yes Lord. That's my conversation yesterday in the sun. It was so, so warm I got into the I was going to say the butchers, I mean the barbers. <laughs> Maybe it was, I don't know. But I get in and he actually put a, a wet, cold, wet towel on my face and my head for me. Must have been like a big tomato coming in, you know, with a sweat running out of me. Says, Lord, I'm just concerned. I'm a shepherd. What do I do? He says, just tell him to walk with me. Come and walk with me. Church this morning, walk with him. Walk with him. Yes, we have our, our, our carnality and we have, but walk with him. So we wasp buzzing around my ear. Walk with him. He'll be with you. This is how this finished. But son, when they don't, when they don't walk with me, they will have no confidence to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And oh God, anybody has seen me because I had my dog with me that I thought I was just a madman going up the road talking to myself. Lord, have mercy. Will you have mercy, Lord? Only you can do these things, Lord. I, that's the way I'm talking, Lord. I, I, Lord, I, I can try my best and I can wear myself out them down to the bone, as it were. I says, Lord, but only you can do these things. He says, then tell them. Tell them. Brothers and sisters, walk with him. Part of the conversation was, you know, they can walk with me if they can't walk. 
You can walk with me if they're in bed. That's the way my was going. But tell them to start to walk. Church, walk with them. It's a privilege. It's an honor. That's what I said then yesterday. Lord, I'm privileged. A guilty, vile, rotten, hell-deserving sinner walking with the creator of the universe, the great I am. I'm walking with you. What a privilege. What an honor. I love you, Lord. He speaks. And the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry None other has ever known, and he walks. Well, love you, Lord. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Isn't it absolutely amazing to know that whether it be today or whenever. It's amazing to know that those who have walked with him, those who have talked with him in this life and have known him as their saviour, isn't it absolutely amazing to think that say when the death dew lies cold on my brow, we can say, if ever I've loved thee, my Jesus, it is now. That we close our eyes in this life, 
we could sing and he walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. The joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. You ever experienced the time when he's so close to your heart melts like wax in the midst of you. A tear comes to your eye where you stream tears down your face and yet the melted heart is just bursting. Bursting with love for the Saviour. If you haven't been there, Christian, boy, go walk with him. Walk with him. Have a close communion with him. Close fellowship with him. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other can ever know. You know, in the times that I experienced with him, Am I? And none can take them from me. I better close this. I haven't even touched this word, but let me just bring this to a close like this. This word, grace or charis, it's the, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in one's life. When you're in that place of communion and oneness and unity with God in the Spirit, and that grace appears, as it were, and melts you all over again, and you just fall in love with Him afresh and anew, that, that experience, brothers and sisters, that, that time in His presence, that grace that we have received is free, costs you nothing. Some say, it cost me time. Listen. Time from what? From spending time doing what? Cost me time from what? Surely Christ is worth more than all this work. Surely his presence is worth more than anything this world could afford or the, even the, the loves, the lusts, the lives and the luxuries. No Puritan says to forsake Christ for the world is to forsake a treasure for a trifle. Many times we forsake Christ even just in our walk so called because the world is first. The, the things we put before him, the things that come before Christ that in all of our lives yet the grace of God says, I'm still here son and maybe it'll appear to you daughter that I still love you. That I still love you. 
greatest idol I have known. Whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. So grace, I explain it like this. I'm close. Chorus. The ancient Greeks used this word. So if you're going down through Athens, for example, and the great orators are there, and the orators are giving wonderful words of wisdom out, oration in the middle of the street, it doesn't cost them anything, and the, the Grecians would have stood, or whoever was in Greece would have stood and listened, and there was, there was a property in what they were saying that brought joy to the hearer in the sense that, that, that this joy was, well, you know, I've learned something today. That, that was amazing. You know, that sort of thing. That was charis. That's the idea of charis. Some of you have been in your holidays and you are back again and we're glad to see you. We missed you. Missed you all. We miss those who are away and we'll see them again soon and then I'll go away for a wee holiday. And... But listen, you know that moment you know you don't have to go to work for a week or two? <laughs> You're out of the, the whole environment even that you live in. And it doesn't matter whether you go to Portrush or Tenerife, or wherever, just to get out of that environment that, you know that first moment especially, I don't mean anything against Port Rice because I love it, but there's nothing like when you're in Spain or Tenerife, and I know it's warm today even still, but you know that first moment, because we're not used to the sun, when you get there and you realise you have maybe a week or maybe two off, the first moment there's no work, there's no getting up at any time, you can just do what you want. But the first realization of it, you know, you know you're going, you're excited and you get on the plane and it's a nightmare when you have so many kids <laughs> or whatever you do, you know. But you know that first moment when you eventually arrive, it could be even that evening, everybody's settled and maybe you're sitting out on a veranda or a balcony or somewhere, that, you know the wee crickets are going, you know, and the palm trees are there. Do you know that first moment when you realize we're actually here? You know, I can't believe it. I've no work. We're all going on a summer holiday. No more working for a week or two type of thing. And you say, oh. The sun is on the, the sea and it's the shimmer and the glistening of it. And the grass is blowing maybe and there's a gentle breeze and the sun's warm. And you've, you know, you're dressed for the occasion and you, you can jump in the pool or the sea and everything's just... You know, do you know that? Oh, oh, I've made it. I've arrived. You know that one? That's what the ancient Greeks used the word charis for. You're receiving the property of all of this that's happening. The property of it. Wow. That was charis. So they bring it into the New Testament and Paul especially brings it in for this. Do you know it is by charis you are saved through faith? 
what? I don't have to do works and alms and deeds. <laughs> I don't have to be laboring in a temple or an assembly or whatever. I don't have to be this. No, you receive Christ and he's full of grace. And the first time you're saved, you remember when you're only saved and suddenly the chorus comes in the sense where you realize, I'm forgiven. Wow. I'm saved. I'm born again. You know, I'm not going to hell. I won't be in judgment. The relief of having your sins forgiven is by grace. Because through faith you believe in Christ. That's chorus. wonder will the Father ever forgive me even as a Christian of failed him or have backslidden or have went away, been away for whatever length of time and suddenly you realize for the grace appears to Noah, the grace appears to you. Yes, I will, son. Yes, I will, daughter. Come to me and I will forgive you. And you'll go, oh, after all this, after the times I've failed him, Ah, you've, you've walked away and you've lived and you've spent your living and all you have and Radis living as the prodigal son done or the daughter. And, and would you still, Father, I'm no worthy to be called thy son. <laughs> no, you're not worthy, but I still love you, says the Father. I don't care what you've done. I just want you to come back again. I just want you to put my arms around you. I want to love you. I want you to be with me. I want you to walk with me. That's grace, that's charis, and that's what we live in, brothers and sisters. I'm going to get that wasp, it's the last thing I do. Some, some of you might say, but that's a wee creature from God. I'm not a Buddhist. I don't believe in reincarnation. But if that's a wee creature from God, well, it's going to be seeing God soon if, if, uh, if it keeps coming around me. Um, remember in the last church when I was preaching one Sunday and I just got my suit out of the cleaners. And do you know why? They used to put the wee tags and all up with wee safety pins and stuff. So I kept feeling getting jagged around here and I oh, must have been that. Ow, was a needle in that. So I preached away and I felt this. I must have thought I was doing some new, you know, Holy Ghost thing. I was jumping on all going like this here. And uh, I was going, what on earth is this? And I, I thought it was a pin in my suit. And you actually see it, it's on video somewhere, but <laughs> and I, I take my I says to the folks, hold on a second, I think there's something in my jacket. And as I take my jacket off, you see the wasp on the video going stung me six times in the back. And I sort of thought, do I cry now <laughs> in front of all these people that I hold this in? Uh, I preached on anyway and I got home and the, my back was up in the welt, this sort of length, the whole way around my back here. And uh, Alison made me smell like a chip shop with vinegar. <laughs> I sort of killed it for me. So that's why when most come around, I go, nope, not tolerating these boys anymore. God bless us this morning. Do you know the word for the gifts of the Spirit? I'll do it some other time. I have another idea I want to do, God willing, next week. I'll pray about it and think about it. You know what it says? That it talks about the, the gifts of the Spirit. It's the word charisma. 
where we get charisma from, charismatic from. And the gifts again are given by grace. It's another, it's another avenue of grace to the believer. The gifts of the Holy Ghost. We'll talk about it maybe, do a study on it some other time. 